This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of Operation Deep Freeze 1971. Right before we get started, I just want to say that the research for this episode was done by one of our listeners, Deb, who you will hear us rave about throughout the entire episode. Her research is very much ongoing. If you or anyone else knows more about this story, uh, there's going to be an email address where you can send the information to her in the description, along with some corrections. Because the research is very much ongoing, there are bound to be some things that I get wrong in this story. Uh, watch out in the description for corrections. Thanks for listening. So immediate shout out to Deb, our dear bestest friend of the BFF of the show. Deb, uh, this was like, she reached out to us, like so many of you have, because you're all like the best people in the world. And Deb, like, reached out and just said, like, let me know if you ever, like, you know, need help researching yeah. anything. And I said, like, there's this story I've been interested in, but I've never found anything on it. Yeah. Deb, literally, guys, 18 pages of notes Amazing. of my notes. Because she sent, like, it's unbelievable, the research she did. I mean, incredible. Yeah. It, a superpower. I just don't know how this even happens. Well, it's amazing. And I'm, like, very excited to go back and be able to look through all the emails because... Oh, I know. Just all of the emails are like, oh, sorry, 4KC, 4K, which is obviously great because that's how it's set up. But I'm like, damn, this story is but about to be fire. I just want to read it. I know. I want to read it. Oh, you're. I know. And there's. I feel like so sure that I'm not. I'm not gonna be able to include all the information. I just feel sure. like there's no way I'm gonna like remember everything. And so probably, guys, like listen to the like little little bit after the after the show is over, <laughs> where like I just like the kind of like I don't know like bye part mm -hmm. because I'll probably end up sticking some like. This happened, and next, or this, and this, and this, like cool stuff in that one. So there's many bonus facts cool. in this story. So Antarctica. Oh yeah. Uh, and for reference, so it's June right now, and we're recording this. Yeah. And we did the Air New Zealand flight, like Antarctica story, in like November. <laughs> yeah. So that was when I was like, two episodes about Antarctica. Wouldn't that be like, can't do those two close together. I was in no danger of doing them too close together. It was so perfect. It worked out perfectly, honestly. So well. Everything is fine. Great. So uh, this, like going back to Antarctica, our favorite continent, yours and mine, um, the frozen south. Uh, so people, humans started to 
like poke around and explore Antarctica in uh, like prior to the 1900s, like very late 1800s, they were kind of like, I think there's something there. <laughs> and the first person to ever set foot on Antarctica was a um, just like a seal hunter mm. who just was like, what's this? <laughs> right. But that was it. <laughs> um, people actually started to like actively like send expeditions and explore it on purpose in 1901. Mm. And so the North Pole, right, where you and I live uh, and all of our northern hemisphere folks, mm -hmm. uh, the northern hemisphere, especially in the New World, like above Canada, there was during the 1800s a lot of exploration up there because they wanted they were just believed with all their heart that there was going to be a way to get from the east coast of North America to the west coast of North America by water without going like the long way mm. they just were so sure it would be there the like northwest passage or whatever they just believed in it for i don't know why they were so sure it would exist yeah. but they were looking for that up in like the north pole so when they wanted to start checking out antarctica they used some of like that knowledge and you know resources icebreaker ships just some of the stuff that had been developed in the search for the Northwest Passage yeah. in, I, well, I hope Northwest Passage is the right word. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to look it up right now. <laughs> yeah. But um, looking for that, you know, that technology and stuff they used to try to explore Antarctica. Yeah. Antarctica is uh, unlike the North Pole, right, where like people have lived up there, right? Mm -hmm. Like people have lived in like the northernmost parts of Canada for you know, thousands of years, like there's places like up there, Antarctica, very remote, right? Like super, super remote. Yeah. And uh, what's down there? Who knows? Let's <laughs> check it out. Like the uh, it, people obviously died a lot, frankly, right? Like they, it's very dangerous. It's very cold. Yeah. It's very difficult to explore that. Uh, but people wanted to. So in 1928, Admiral Byrd, who I think we talked about in a different context in another conversation, but I no longer remember what the context was, he was the first person to fly a plane over the North Pole. And he was like, this is the only way to go, guys. I don't want to walk <laughs> through this tundra, <laughs> like planes all day. Right. But obviously... It's some very tricky flying, to say the least, right? Yeah. So he flew over the North Pole in 1929. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That, 1929. Oh so he God. did that. And maybe if, again, so if we say, maybe we'll do a story about that episode. Maybe we'll do an episode about that in another six months. Mm -hmm. We'll see if it happens. So... Um, but he checked it out, thought that was the way to go. You got to do planes. Uh, but flying in the South Pole is like very, very, very challenging flying, right? right? Like to say the least. The like, it's super, super arid. It is like a desert. All the snow that falls on it just stays, a, stays there, mm. right? But it's super, super arid. The air is like thin. It's... Like we talked about in the Air New Zealand story, like the it's just white, 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 everything, white snow, white ice, yeah, white yeah. glacier, white sky, just everywhere. It's 
there's no nothing to, right? Like, what are you going to do if something goes wrong? There's just no nothing right. anywhere. So people were like, let's put some stuff there. And in, so 1929, oh no, like World War One was really bad, but it made planes better. Let's fly a plane over the South Pole. And then, oh no, World War II, yeah. <laughs> really bad. Uh, and so after World War II, when everybody is trying to figure out how to like play more nicely and we're in the like, you know, space race and things like that, there's also kind of like a scramble for Antarctica and a lot of different countries want like want a piece of it, but also want like a piece in the like exploration of this extremely remote, extremely foreign, different continent. Yeah. So the in the 50s, so shortly after World War II, late 40s, early 50s, started different countries started to either figure out like how they're going to unilaterally explore Antarctica and maybe claim a piece of it uh, or at least try to. There are like a lot of different claims in Antarctica, but like does anybody right does anyone agree? really yeah right <laughs> you know yeah like maybe not yeah. so um but they also some countries like teamed up to do different things so maybe i'm sure a lot of you are aware there's like a bust of uh lenin uh at the south pole um that was <laughs> yeah. the soviets like you know exploring it um and the us is not about to let the soviets never do something anywhere without them getting in on it. So in uh, the 1950s, people got together, started to figure that out. Uh, the Soviets had their own station that they started to develop, and the U.S. wants to have a station. But there's, if you've ever watched Flat Earth videos, I'm sure that you <laughs> have, like, heard of the Antarctic Treaty, right? That's basically the idea that there's no yeah. military action there's no we can't go to antarctica and then have like a war there right. to fight over who gets what territory yeah. um and we've actually that's that's stuck like that actually worked out pretty well not, yeah right one of the few so <laughs> the um u.s is figuring out like okay if we're going to have like an actual research station there where like we American scientists study Antarctica. If that's what we're going for, we need a way to get stuff there. We need like a support staff yeah. to create a place for people to go. Like all of the like supplies, resources, just everything that goes into having human beings survive and work in these incredibly extreme conditions. And the U.S in 1955 started what they called operation deep freeze which oh my a god 10 out of beautiful 10. great great right so operation deep freeze the navy which as i'm sure all of you will notice is a part of the military not like a science division <laughs> right. but the navy um because they're not going there to like fight anybody they're just using the navy's like logistical like Right, knowledge right. their resources the planes boats whatever they have like the navy is the support staff for the scientists and for the research that's happening down there yeah so 
1955, we're doing the very first Operation Deep Freeze mission. Uh, The Navy's supporting. They have to do everything, everything. Like the first year, they literally like flew the planes, like landed on the ice and then just slept in the plane. There's nothing out there. (laughs) They just had to like start from scratch in a way that's really hard to imagine, (laughs) right? Probably. I mean, not so hard for you right now. That's true. We'll talk about that at the end. That just showing up and being like, there's nothing nothing here. here. Let's let's do it. Make something be here. (laughs) So they ran the missions every year. And so it's the Southern Hemisphere, which means that like the seasons are reversed from the Northern Hemisphere. So October to February is like summer down there. Or that's the warm time of year, I guess. Not, you know, air quote warm. The sun is up for like the hottest part of that white everything everywhere (laughs) this tundra daylight all the time or you would love it all that vitamin d yeah all that nice cold air you would love it so good you would love it uh (laughs) the there's not a ton of like precipitation Mm. to deal with in theory not like compared to other places in the world like in general or yeah antarctica is like the biggest desert in the world there's not a lot of actual precipitation but the storms that do happen come out of nowhere and hit super hard right so you're contending with that when that comes up but hopefully you know you kind of hope it's not going to be like right. that too much, right. right? Like, and the uh, precipitation like stays, right? Or at least it used to, right? Just the snow falls and then it's just there forever. Yeah. So, um, the extreme cold, like the the hottest hot days of the year in January, are like sixty degrees on the coast. That's partially because on the coast you're getting like the temperature impacts of the wind like Mm. breezing and sometimes blowing like warmer air but that's also what can create the storms you know at the coast where you kind of want to be right right uh at the north pole you know like negative 60 degrees like or whatever Mm -hmm. just pretend that means something to you if you celsius negative aren't those the same though is it negative 60 or negative 40 it's like negative 45 six or something Ugh. it's like a random number but yeah it's it's pretty similar yeah. like we and again if you have no context for that temperature it it's not something that you can fully comprehend anyway exactly right, right. like i have no concept for what negative 40 is like exactly. but I, very cold yeah. <laughs> um so we're running these missions once a year going down there. I mean, once a year, it takes like months and months. Right. But they, you know, the Navy like flies planes down full of scientists and researchers and they meet now, like after the first year when they fly down there, they're meeting up with people who overwintered there and have been like totally isolated in darkness for months and months. And so like the day, the day, like day one of Operation Deep Freeze every year, that's, this is an exciting day, right? (laughs) Like these, the scientists who are going for the first time are stoked because like, oh my gosh, like 
gonna get to live in antarctica right the people who have been isolated there all winter and like didn't see the sun for a long time and haven't seen a different person in forever right like they're excited because new people and new stuff are coming or maybe they're leaving or whatever right like so like the first day i don't know like if you did like did you go to summer camp yeah yeah, that's like what I get in my yep. head. Like the day one of summer camp every year was just like electric. Yeah, so, so exciting. And then you're dead by and the end. Yeah. <laughs> like just, what? you're just dead by the end. You're just so tired. Oh yeah, totally. Right, right. So just that like, oh, the the thrill. So our story actually begins in 1970. We're doing Operation Deep Freeze, 1971. Okay. So that the 71 actually like starts in 70, if that makes sense. I see. Okay. So yeah. on October 8th, 1970, wow. the big day, the Navy has seven planes full of supplies and hundreds of scientists and they are going to send these planes one by one in like a caravan right like one's gonna every hour they'll send a different one so for seven hours they're gonna like they're loading up these planes everybody's getting on board and one goes one after the other and then that gives people in antarctica like right where again not a not a not a ton of manpower right but they have time to like get stuff off the plane and like give them a minute to like breathe and orient and stuff like that um the airport air quotes is not (laughs) equipped to handle a ton of traffic Right. right and in fact so there's two runways i guess is what we'll call it that's uh they in antarctica yeah um and that concept is crazy a runway and it's for two yeah like two different like aircraft so these flights take 11 hours and they head out from our dear kiwis in new zealand right right. so it takes off from new zealand because that's as close as you can get um and they go for fly for 11 hours so it is that's not short right (laughs) like you have to feel so incredibly remote when you're there it's yeah so one boom 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 and because they're flying over just wide open ocean and then toward a frozen continent of almost nothing uh where the weather can be unpredictable they get pretty frequent updates on the weather throughout their whole flight and they provide like as they're flying if they run into any weather then they send that information back so that subsequent planes will be aware of it yeah everyone is so excited and it's just so good um the the navy squadron that like does the support for the scientists at like mcmurdo station in in antarctica the like american station are called the puckered penguins and that's Great. That's so good. There's so many good like <laughs> names it. in this in the story. Oh, so many good ah, oh, it's just so many good <laughs> things. The um planes start to depart from Christchurch at midnight. So plane number one goes at like 1201, October 8th, 1970, baby. What a day. Uh yeah. the first and last planes, the first plane and the last planes are 
both Lockheed Constellation C-121 aircraft. The first one, the first plane that's going to leave at midnight and be the first one to get there uh, is named Phoenix. Mm. Right? Love it. Mm -hmm. Has a beautiful painting of a Phoenix on it because amazing detail matters okay <laughs> like De thank you de details matter they do and it's just i don't know you just don't get to again like it's like if you're going to camp and the bus to camp yeah. is like all painted right. like great <laughs> yes, yes. This this is what i came experience. here for thank yeah. you for doing this yeah the last plane that's going to arrive the very last one the other lucky constellation is named pegasus love it love it beautiful yep. gorgeous aircraft no notes um like no notes <laughs> a beautiful flying horse a beautiful flying horse yeah. on the tail and the puckered penguins there's <sighs> paintings of little penguins for each year every year that this aircraft makes the flight oh they draw God. they like paint another penguin on the door that is like, the most 70s yes. thing i've ever heard like that is true yeah, like 10 out love of 10. and peace and happiness like love the peace details. and happiness oh it's so good it's beautiful it's so good the like lucky constellation itself like as an aircraft were made from 47 to 58 so the this aircraft okay. is you know like Older. an oldie but a goodie like she's yeah, yeah. she's you know just seen some life. carrying on that like post yeah. post world war ii spirit right. just let's go yeah. nothing um, stopping her the middle <laughs> i said nothing stopping her Nothing stopping her. Nothing stopping her. She was not made like our girls. These constellations were not made necessarily with Antarctica in mind. Sure. So they have like normal landing gear, like yeah. regular old landing gear. And so they're going to land on the runway. That is like the most like a regular runway. Yeah. <laughs> um, the middle plane. So plane two, three, four, five and six are all uh c-130 hercules um they're less attractive does that mean i wrote yeah. less attractive <laughs> which i feel like is a sentence i've like never written or <laughs> but sad that is, like... that's what the notes say right <laughs> that's what the notes say <laughs> i'm so sorry hercules okay. but um it's fine uh they're <laughs> still being produced to this day this is a plane oh, wow. where like i think most people would like look at it and be like ah yes a military plane okay um just a nice regular ass military yeah. plane. It's great. Sorry, Hercules, you're great. We love I don't you, mean Hercules. To be mean. I don't want to be a jerk. Um, <laughs> these planes are like ski equipped. They have ski blades over, like chunked, like Stop. Legos over the wheels okay. of the landing gear, and so they can just land. They land right on the right on the ice, right on the glacier, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, they theoretically i guess could land anywhere that's like flat and ice right but they uh there is like a they picked a spot yeah <laughs> and where they would land so that's like the ice runway um the the constellations like because they only have wheels no skis they have to land on the runway yeah so from midnight on Boom. Phoenix. First plane goes hour by hour by hour by hour by hour. And right around 8 a.m., our beautiful, elegant Pegasus is ready to roll. Beautiful. And 
born in 1953, born for this day, like every other. Yeah. <laughs> she has been going to Antarctica for six years. Wow. This is number seven. She's a Orange. vet at this point. She's a vet. She's an old yeah. pro. She's here. That's why she's she's at the end of the line because right. she's keeping everybody else in line. Exactly. She's she's got this. She is, has six little penguins, and when they land, they're gonna paint a seventh penguin on her, and we love her. Yeah. Uh, on board, she's there's eighty human souls on board. No animals, I guess. The plane itself, I'm <laughs> attributing a soul to. So, right. so eighty people on board, twelve crew, sixty eight passengers. Uh, the passengers are like scientists. They're um, there's like a Lockheed engineer, uh, like just different. Oh, that's a good idea. Nice people. Yeah. It is a good idea. Because yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going right, to do? You can't Death call anybody. Right. What are you going to do? Like row to see you? <laughs> right. You gotta, no, you got you to roll deep. Prepared. You got to roll deep to Antarctica. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pilots, there's three pilots and we only have two of their names, unfortunately. Maybe. So... Uh, the captain's name is Cliff, and this is his third year okay. doing Operation Deep Freeze. So, great. The first officer is BJ. Second first officer, I don't, I just don't know what his name is. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I want to know. If anyone out there finds it, please tell us. Um, there are two navigators, two flight engineers two load masters and one radio operator. Wow, okay. A lot. We're stacked. The only the the only other name uh one of the navigators name is Bob, which is great. Bob, we love it. I think that the name Bob should make a comeback. I but, agree. Um right? So the, um, Megan's husband's name's Bob, Bobby, but they call him Bob. We call him Bob. Oh yeah. It's a great, it's a great name. Bob is such a good name. Yeah, it's an underrated name. It is. It's like a solid name. So (laughs) that's like 12 crew, no flight attendants, right? It's not like that. These are 12 crew because it takes so many people to like navigate a flight like this. Literally, right? It just, it's a lot of work. It's very long. It's close to, it is right around 11 hours. So just... I mean, realistically, you're going to want to trade off and take some turns, right? right? But also, it's like complex flying, right? They want Mm. lots of brains working on getting this plane on the ice safely. Yeah. Super long. Uh, Compasses don't work because it's like South Pole. There's like all that weird stuff. And again, this is like... This plane, God bless her, Peggy, our girl, born in 1953, right? Yeah. So she doesn't, you know, she's doing her best yeah. with what she's got. Um, but we're gonna get her down there safe. So ready to roll. Um, they take off. Now every single aircraft is in the air, just flying through the sky. And I just again, like, I. I don't know. I just can feel like the electricity I feel like from this story. Like it just oh my God, seems yeah. so exciting. Yeah. So exciting. And I think it's hard to like feel like I think it's hard to feel that way as an adult. Like you feel it a lot as a kid, right? With holidays and family things and yeah. like traditions. And as you grow old, it's like harder and harder to continue to feel that way. So this just yeah. feels like extra special that they get that 
electricity like right. we're doing this for the first time you know like that it right. must feel right. incredible and to just, be on this plane oh so good so so good and like even again like the people already there yeah right who like i mean no matter how much you love antarctica you got to be you just spent all winter there you got to be like ready to see a different person right, or like right. eat cheetos or whatever you know what i mean just something <laughs> so they are up in the air and at around 6 30 p.m the um oh i didn't write that right okay so around noon rather so around noon the first plane starts to like land so phoenix oh, lands okay. no problem lands on the regular runway god bless her she's here wow. it's happening that's new amazing. planes new people we're oh so exciting and boom 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 right about an hour after one after the other right uh, about an hour between each landing everybody scrambles like unpacks you know hugs yeah. it gets excited takes pictures whatever right like gets to their quarters i don't know right whatever it's whatever's happening right so uh by 6 30 ish the first six planes have landed it's just our girl peggy in the air still and she's getting close uh everybody's arrived safely everybody's unpacking reunited tired excited pegs is gonna be here soon um but from the air about half an hour away from the runway our boys flying pegasus can see a massive white wall of blizzard rolling into their path they are half an hour away so on this flight because it is so long and because there is nowhere else to go once you head out you have to land in Antarctica or nowhere. That's, that's it. There's no, that's it. You have to land, right? And so there's the point of no return is what it's called, right? Around the halfway mark where they basically have to decide, like, do we feel good about continuing? And being the last aircraft should be quite a benefit, right? right? Because if the plane if the planes in front of you had had to turn around, then you don't even have to get to the point of no right. return. You can turn around and try it again tomorrow, right? But this is the last plane, and out of nowhere, 30 minutes out, oh no, they can see with their own eyes this wall yeah. of snow, and they can see. Like in the distance, like they can see Antarctica and they see this blizzard. God. They. The only thing they can do is like race, basically race the blizzard and just try to land before they can before before it shows up. So they keep flying and fly right into this blizzard because there's no way around it. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. They fly into the blizzard. Yule is obviously low. They try to like navigate. Like again, they've got 12 human brains that know about planes, like not even including the Lockheed engineer on this plane. Right. Like all of this, like all of them are looking at like their 
they can't see anything, right? It's just snow. So even more extreme version of that, like all white everything, it's just even more impossible to see anything through the snow. And they're so close. So they're like looking at like their navigation, looking at their their, um, navigation tools, looking at everything, like just trying to find it. They should be like right there. They should be like on top of the field. And they just can't see anything. They can't see anything Jeez. except snow. Nothing. They're talking on the radio, like just trying to get some kind of guidance or just anything anyone can think of. They basically get lined up with where the runway should be. And they try to land. Yeah. And they like come down like fly low, hoping that like, okay, if we get close enough, we're going to see something. We're going to see something. We're going to see something. They get down low and still just see snow. It looks no different below them than it did a thousand feet in the air. It's just nothing. You're just flying through a snow globe. So they hit the gas and like go back around. Right. Because there's, what are they going to do? Like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they in contact with anybody right now? Like can they? They are. They're talking to McMurdo. Oh yeah. right, right, right. They, okay, There okay, is like okay. an air traffic controller. Yeah. So they are talking to them, but they all they can tell them is like didn't see it. We had yeah, to go around, right. right? Like there's not. There's this is a very very powerless situation. Right. I guess the there's nothing really to communicate. The, that the crew on the ground who had been working all day, right? What and what? Again, electric, but also a lot of work, right? Packing and unpacking and all of that, right? It's it's a lot of work. And they've this is the last plane. This is the last plane. And they had seen like the blizzard coming from them and they just had to try to like stop unpacking and focus. They started to focus all of their attention on trying to keep the runway clear, trying to keep the snow off the runway. So when the plane tries to land, it even can land. Again, the cold is impossible to comprehend. It is so, so, so cold that as the snow falls, if it sits for even like a short period of time, it will just freeze to ice and you'll just have an instead of a snow drift on the runway, which would not be great. You will just have an ice like pile of Very ice yeah. in your way. And this plane doesn't have skis. It has regular wheels, okay. <laughs> normal right. wheels. The wind is blowing and blowing and the snow is falling and falling and falling. And the people out there working, trying to keep the runway clear for their friends in that plane, they are in danger, right? It is dangerous to be out there because they can't see anything either. They're basically like out there trying to like just look in front of them. If there's something there, if there's snow there, try to get it out of the way, right? But if there's snow there, kind of is ridiculous because there's snow everywhere. It's all they can see anywhere they look. So they're just trying, trying, trying on this day. Like if if you had been waiting, if you had been in Antarctica all winter in the complete black, again, even if you are there with your 
best friends in the world yeah. even if you love playing uno so much and play it every night even if you love the science and the penguins if you're just wild about the experience there's no way that you aren't excited to have new people and excited to to go home yeah, right exactly. after a long after all winter long and just you have like six planes have already landed and you're already working on it and now like this last plane with 80 people on board is up there flying around you can't hear them you can't see them but you know that they're there and you're just trying to keep the runway clear so that they don't crash if they find even if they find the runway the crew on the ground are frantic the the crew on board makes pass after pass after pass. They keep flying around and trying to land and trying to land and trying to land. And every time they get low, they just don't see anything. They just don't see anything. They can't see the runway. They can't see the ground. They can't see anything. So what, what do they, they don't know what they're landing on. They, they can't, they don't know if they're in the right spot. Right. It's just incredibly difficult to be precise right. and precision really matters here. The, and it's not like they experience abort, could, landing, could help you in this situation. Like, who has experience landing in Antarctica? Right. And that's a cliff the, the captain does. This is his third time doing Operation Deep Freeze, but I don't Even have, three I, times, I don't have any. Right. right. It's like, uh, I would not. I've driven to Medina, yeah. my hometown, yeah. thousands of times. <laughs> and I feel like I'm taking my life in my right, hand every time right. that I get behind the wheel. Right. Like, it's, yeah. They just have to abort one landing after another, after another, after another, after another, and they're burning more and oh more and more God. fuel. And they have not laid eyes on this runway even one time. Not even nothing. Jeez. They've seen nothing. They did this for more than an hour. More than an entire hour of, of just w try after try God. after try, landing attempt after landing attempt, go around after go around after go around for more than an hour. People are out there trying desperately, literally fighting Antarctica's right. snow, like the land of snow. Right. At some point you have to doubt, like, it, it, like am, am I actually looking at the ground? Like, am I upside right. down? Like, what is actually happening? Right. Right. Cliff is a captain and like the pilots need to figure something out now, right now. For more than an hour, they've burned through the vast majority of their fuel and they brought extra fuel because this is a dangerous flight and they right. wanted to be prepared. The flight engineers say that we've got like one more landing attempt and maybe 15 minutes oh of holding God. time. Like maybe like if you want to hold it and just like use that 15 minutes, we've been flying around for an entire hour. If you think 15 minutes will make a difference, I don't know, but we've basically got 15 minutes and one landing attempt because the, the go around burns so much fuel right. because you have to like rev the engines up to come back away from the ground. They are going to be on the ice one way or another very, very soon. The scientists, God bless them, <laughs> in the cabin, right? They, it's very important to note to me that they are in rear facing seats. 
they so i i cannot i would throw up so much this uh, whole yeah. experience would be f- throw up from fear throw up from the excitement and fear throw up from being backwards and having to go up and down constantly they captain makes an announcement cliff says like we are like we are going to crash land this plane basically oh god like it's happening right like it's just there's just this is the situation We're in the middle of a blizzard right? this is gonna happen yeah. right um we're going to descend to 100 feet Jeez. above the ground if we see the runway we'll land bj <laughs> if you see the runway just take control and land yeah. literally just if you see the runway just i just it's yours <laughs> like godspeed like i just shout it out don't be don't they, be shy right right if they don't see it we're going to ascend we're going to just to 500 feet go to the like air quotes runway oh my god over where the hercules flights landed right like the the icy like spot where they had landed before and just retract the gear and land on our belly oh wow because we're going to be on the ground anyway okay and so we're going to basically this is a description of like we're going to keep trying we're going to try until the until there's no try left and then we're going to try to just have the plane connect with the ground okay under the best circumstances we can muster and i guess that is better on ice like they're if they're assuming it's really obviously it's very very cold right so if they well that's just if the plane breaks apart right if the plane breaks apart like yeah they just only there's just very limited options the scientists in the cabin had been briefed on emergency like procedures right as part of their training for this flight mm-hmm. like just the the passengers the scientists um they like take anything sharp out of their pockets they like zip up their coats put on their hats put their pull their seatbelt tighter yeah. like how again powerless right like your your control you have like control over such small things and like you do them because it is better if you survive a crash landing, it is better not to have a sharp thing in your pocket and to have your hat on, right? But they get down to 100 feet above the ground. Cliff and BJ are just like squinting, searching. They're so, so low. And it has to be like right here. it has to be close it's right here somewhere right right but i just think about how your eyes can play tricks on you and like they're just squinting staring at the ground bj yells out i see it takes control <gasps> cliff trusts him bj idles the engines the plane slams down onto the runway <gasps> he did see it cliff Pulls the thrust reversers on. They slip and slide fast down the runway. The runway, God bless them, those other people, like the people who had already been there, they tried so hard to keep this runway clear. They tried so hard. But right now, 
Cliff and BJ have no idea where they've landed on the runway, right? They know they're on the runway. They just slip and slide down and bam, the nose of the plane hits a solid ice snowbank that had appeared on the runway. The momentum, they hit, the nose hits Jeez. the snowbank, which is solid ice. The tail whips around because the momentum is so intense, snaps off the landing gear, just snapped off, snaps off the, the one of the wings, and they just keep sliding backwards, just whoop. So now the people, the passengers, the scientists are now forward, and the pilots are like pointed the wrong way and at the back right so it's just continues to slide backwards one wing lighter no more landing gear yeah just their pilots are totally powerless there's nothing to see because it's just snow but now they're not even looking in the right direction there's nothing they can do about that the wing slams into another snowdrift rips the number four engine Number three engine, entire wing. Oh, my God. The plane stops. The engines on the left wing are still going, Mm. even though the cables have been severed. They have, like, a magnet system that is designed to keep the engines going. And Cliff is alive. (gasps) The captain is alive. And he shuts them off. And it's just silent. Oh, and it, it's silent in a way. I know that some people listening to this probably haven't been in like a blizzard or like a snowy spot before. Oh the, the snow like muffles the sound. Yeah. And so like the silence in a blizzard is, is like a deeper silence yep. than I feel like you can experience. It is truly silent. So silent. And people begin to like check their bodies and and get up and the emergency procedures they were trained on was to like exit the aircraft right so they start to file out of the plane and check on each other and they're just stepping out into the most extreme cold they've ever experienced into this into the blizzard everybody lived every single one of those 80 people every single person is alive as they start to like step out into this blizzard every single person is alive oh my god and but where are they? Oh, like, where no. are they? Because even though they landed on the runway, there's, they still, like, the snow is so thick that they still see nothing right. around them. Nothing anywhere. God. Except they're totally, like, ripped apart. Peggy, God bless her, except for her, except for the, each other. Nothing. The people who had been on the ground, the Navy had brought them all inside because they didn't know 
if Peggy was going to crash. They didn't know. Right, right. They didn't know. And they didn't want the plane to crash into a person out there trying to keep. Yeah, I mean, it's a blizzard. You can't see anything. You can't see anything. anything. So at McMurdo Station in, in Antarctica, there is a crash crew. Hey, real quick, this is Editing Casey. Um, We're going to talk about a lot of things that a man named Ken did. It seems like this might have been a mix-up with a name. We're going to make a lot of references to good old Ken, and it seems like we've probably gotten his name wrong. Um, Unfortunately, we don't know the names of most of the people who are involved in this story, and it seems like that's the case for the man who we're calling Ken throughout this. There was a guy named Ken at the site who absolutely helped out. We just think we got some of the actions and names mixed up. There are people who part of their job, their responsibility is here in Antarctica. Yeah. Is to respond if a plane crashes. I mean, I props to them for planning for that i guess yeah you know yeah ken and roger are two members of the crash crew and they're waiting to hear and again that like here does not mean hear a plane crash you would think yeah right like you would think any other place on earth you would hear it but they're just waiting to find out because they don't hear anything they have a canvas covered like thick military truck running and waiting so that they can spring to action as soon as peggy is on the ground Mm. they got word that the plane had landed and they jumped into their truck Outside, they can't hear or see anything. Oh, no. The runway that Pegasus had landed on is not that far, but it doesn't matter. They just can't see anything anywhere. Besides the snow falling, it's getting dark, just regular nighttime darkness for the people on the plane especially for the pilots i mean they have been like awake and just going for so long how are ken and roger gonna find them right at the plane people are like confused and surprised to be alive they go through in their cargo they have emergency kits and tents but the wind is howling and there's no way you can put up a tent in a blizzard in the wind it's just not possible and they kind of look at the plane and they're like this plane is not gonna catch on fire like it's there's no fuel anyway yeah right and they climb back onto the plane and just there's they just wait 
and start to freeze. Mm. It's so cold and like the plane, there's no engines, there's nothing running, there's no heat. They're just in there with their coats, their hats. Ken in his crash crew truck is driving toward where they like approximately think the plane might be. The truck has a radar reflector on top and they communicate with the radio in the the station, right? In the actual like main. Yeah. Like McMurdo. Yeah. And they drive around the airfield in the blizzard looking for an entire plane right right like under normal circumstances under almost any other circumstances you'd be able to hear something see something something right lights or there's just they can't there's no you can't shoot a flare there's nothing there's no way for them to the people in the plane don't know where they are and can't communicate anything right and roger and ken are just in their canvas covered military truck with the radar reflector just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth they can only see like a few feet in front of themselves like there's just nothing and they can't hear they can't see and it's getting darker and the blizzard is worsening and inside the plane the temperatures are dropping and oh the survivors are huddled together and Jeez. some of them are like small like s- sweet these are scientists right. sweet scientists and god bless them some scientists are big burly dudes and some of them <laughs> are you know not just, and that's yeah, fine yeah. but just your your body those your little body like oh no and they're trying there's like one particular scientist who's like just so little he's little oh. and they're just he's shaking and they're trying they're like oh my god we all survived this plane crash and we've like this person is going to freeze to death right in front of us and then mm-hmm. we're going to freeze to death it is so scary and so like maybe I feel like I would be maybe not because they're scientists. I don't know, but I would be like, did I die and go to hell? Is right. this just what hell is? Forever like, just freezing and, to death. Yeah. Oh, right. And Ken drives around and around and around and around. And multiple times he was within just a few hundred feet of the plane. Oh, my God. But neither of them. This is a loud truck, diesel engine. Yeah. No one can't hear anything can't see anything back and forth mariah for four hours no for four hours four hours oh my god ken and roger are just back and forth just trying to systematically just trying to find this plane and for four hours everyone in the plane is just huddled together and trying so hard to to not freeze to death yourself to not let someone freeze to death right in front of you you don't have anything you can do ken saw him he saw the snow has been falling and falling and falling and falling and covering more and more of the plane but he can see the plane sticking out of the snow and as Ken and Roger are going back and forth as time ticks on, I the it's like makes me nauseous because you would yeah. think like you would you're 
you would think that like every minute you don't find them they're freezing more and more like or you don't even know if people are like maybe everybody was already dead before you even left like you don't know and they they find the plane and they get up to it and everyone is alive inside everyone is still alive and they ken has a radio and he radios the base and he like is able to like start to describe okay like here's where the plane is and he and roger drive back and they another man so they're driving back and somebody gets out and starts to put like flags in the snow it's part of like the equipment in the crash car right and so they're they're taking flags and they're putting them in the snow every like 10 15 feet so that there's a way to like guide a truck like the the trucks back to the plane so they can get 80 people back and forth Mm. and get them warmed up and get them safe and they form the second caravan of the day this time of trucks going out to the last plane to pick up the people and the blizzard is still getting worse and rogers in the crash crew he's driving the last truck of the convoy the fire truck so he's the last truck in the convoy the last plane peggy was the last plane in that caravan roger is the last truck in the truck caravan the rescued caravan and the flags are 10 or 15 feet apart and they're one right after the other and it's dark and the blizzard's getting worse and worse and worse and roger's truck died it just oh my god the engine first casualty of the day second peggy's you know but yeah right right. roger tries to call right on his radio to say like my engine quit but his radio isn't working Mm. and he could hear them but they can't hear him and they have loaded everybody up into the trucks and gone back and he can't communicate with them and tell them what's going on. He just is trying to call and it just click, 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 nothing, nothing. Mm. He doesn't transmit and he hears them talking to him and they say like, the blizzard is so bad it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and it's covering the flags and they just say like stay in the truck like we can't we can't there's no way to get to you there's no way to get to you roger and frost is like building up on the inside of his truck already with the dead engine and the other crash crew people like fuck off if you think that we're gonna do all of this and then leave roger out there to freeze to death like right. you fucking fuck off right. like, goodbye 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 they went and picked the loudest diesel truck Beautiful. the loudest diesel truck that they Smart. have just like yeah just the <laughs> loudest thing there even though again the blizzard is really severe and it's dark and the even with the loud engine it just muffles everything the snow all around and they can't hear Roger on the radio, but they can hear when he clicks. 
when he tries to transmit, it makes a little click, but his uh-huh. voice doesn't transmit. So they can talk to him and they said like, okay, here's the system. Like if you, you listen for our engine, the loud diesel engine, and you click, click, if you hear, if we're on the right, if you hear the engine to the right, you give one click. And if it sounds like we're on your left, you give two clicks. Okay. Very smart. Love scientists. They went on like that for another hour. Oh for my another God. hour. For another hour. Good Lord. They click, 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 click. You know, they just it's very slowly. Cold. Oh my gosh. And they guided and they found. Oh. <sighs> Like it just they see nothing, nothing, nothing except snow until suddenly they're on top of each other. And like there's Roger's truck and they get him out and they put him in their loud diesel truck and they bring him back. And everybody did actually live. Oh, my God. Everybody, all of everybody on the plane, everybody who was already there everybody in the crash crew, Roger in his fire truck that died. Everybody lived. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. That is actually crazy to think. I mean, you and I recently lived through a blizzard and a lot oh. of people died. Like it right? is it was 2022, a lot of people died. So it's amazing. Right. In, In 1970. 1970 or 70 or whatever year it was, they 70, were able to yeah. They were oh. able to just Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's really incredible. That's so good. Oh. The, the Navy stopped using the Constellation planes for the South Pole. Yeah. They were just like, oh, sweetheart, it's okay. You're done. Yeah, you're done. You're uh, done. Phoenix, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You've done good, girls. Like Phoenix, the first plane, they sent back to New Zealand and she um, delivered mail, which is nice. That's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Like, I like that. Um, And they retired her in May of 71, so not too long after. Mm. Uh, Pegasus is still there right now. What? Right now, she is still there, buried in the snow. It's beautiful. That is how I found out about this flight in the first place. Because uh, I have, like, um, I really would like to go to antarctica i just i would and i very very tangentially like met somebody like 15 years ago and we were friends on facebook and it came up on facebook or whatever that um he i guess is a scientist now and was in antarctica and i was just like oh my gosh my hero yeah, <laughs> like right. this is the coolest thing ever and i like asked him about the air new zealand flight if like that's anything just do you i don't know what do we talk about i'm not yeah. good at conversations I yeah. guess. and he's like i don't know anything about that one but we visit the pegasus crash because it's still oh, right. there and people will just go and like check it out because it's just there it's just there right it's, it's, it's not just like there. a lot of people like are little, checking it out all the time right but it's like a it's I don't like know. a it's thing like a, that's available for them to check out right it's like exactly. a very cool exactly. like, tourist attraction on right antarctica i don't know if like when you were a kid if there was anything like 
in the woods. I guess you didn't oh, have yeah. woods by you. Yeah, but there's woods around right. or whatever. And you like maybe somebody like built a yeah like a cabin in the woods in like the 30s, and you can just go in like the ramshackle like remains of the. It's like I don't know. People like to have a location. It's cool, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's just there. It's I would there, check it out. Right. Let's go yeah. see it. Heck yeah, I want to go see it. Right. Her it's one of those things. Beautiful Pegasus tail, and obviously because. Everybody loves the desert, but no one loves them more than plains. She's like very well preserved. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and uh, she's just, she's just there. And she's just going to stay right there. Amazing. Because, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> like dig her out. God bless her. That's her spot. And uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Operation Deep Freeze ran every year until 1998. And, oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, yeah, they kept doing it. They kept doing it, and I mean, they still there still are there scientists in Antarctica right now. Um, yeah, that it's still I don't know why they changed the name or whatever, but they it's <laughs> right. a different system or whatever. But yeah, yeah, so that's amazing. Everybody lived. Oh, thank God, everybody lived. That would be so i mean of course anytime oh. there's a plane crash it's tragic but right but it's just so because you're mean, just so helpless when, like there is nobody so... like yeah you have the crash crew but i mean what are you gonna do in a blizzard right right and it's it's very very hard to imagine like i i struggle so much to imagine what it would be like for those four hours where there's like no communication between like the people on the plane and like the people who are already there who are looking for them like that stretch of time feels like it would be eternity and everybody every single person on that continent is wondering if like if they're going to get there five minutes too late, four hours too late, right? just in time. If people are going to have to like have their fingers and like arms amputated or like whatever, right? Like you're just thinking, I just feel like it would be so oh my hard God, to yeah. function during that time. Like you don't know, you don't know if, you don't know when, you don't know how, like you don't know where, like it's just like, and even it would feel so alien. I feel like to even just be in the truck under any circumstance, exactly like driving right. around for hours. Well, just and, in this, and like, like the moment universe. you lose heat, you essentially start freezing to death. Like it's, yeah. it, I mean, it's a very slow process and you basically start it. Yeah. The second you don't have access to heat. Right. Like this, the cold is just eating away at you there. Right. Right. Like stalking you. Like just, Oh, wow. It's, it's what an intro to the country miraculous. or the <laughs> continent rather. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. I don't know. Um, and I don't know if it is. I don't know if anyone knows if like everybody on board, like those 80 people, if all of them, like if all the scientists stayed for as long as they had intended to, I wouldn't right. blame them one bit if they were like, oop, I'm going to try again next year. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just think, yeah. And it would also just be weird if you survive something like that. I mean, when people talk about surviving 
any like near-death experience in general it it can it's a profoundly transformative experience and i guess that's something too where like if you had like i'm gonna you know whatever leave you know like say goodbye to my family say goodbye to my like my wife my mom whatever right like the people in your life and like go on this really extreme adventure and then have such a harrowing experience where like you miraculously survive i guess i I don't know if this is like a complete thought but it's just i wonder i feel like after something like that i want to like hug my family you know and stuff like that you know it just seems like it would be so yeah it's just an intense experience that i think would be very hard to understand or describe yeah exactly exactly because i mean who like there are a very few amount of people who actually know what it is like to be to antarctica right let alone crashing on a plane Mm -hmm. in antarctica wow yeah and surviving it's surviving Oh, Unbelievable. BJ. I don't even want to skip it. Let's go back. The first officer. Truly. Or co-pilot or what second officer. I don't know. They have a different names in the military. We're just gonna call him first officer. Like Yeah. I mean, clutch. Oh my god. Like he did it. Yeah. He saw it. And I think of those two people, like Cliff and BJ, like the amount of trust yes right the form of trust because like i feel like i would be it'd be really hard do you feel like it'd be hard not to second guess yourself like just to be like Like, did i see see the runway yeah just the hesitation and like no hesitation like just like he's like no it's there bam let's go oh my god because i mean you have one chance left like you have literally one shot left and if this isn't actually the runway you're potentially fucked for right ever. right and i mean the people who had been out there clearing trying to clear the snow i mean just in buffalo like just regular beautiful yeah. sunny buffalo new york the <laughs> days like the handful of days that i worked at the airport when there was like truly a blizzard like in the middle of the day buffalo is like very equipped to handle that situation right with like snow plows and all of that but I remember like more than once where they just truly can't, they can't plow it fast enough. By the time you're done plowing it, there's too much snow on the runway again. It's just coming down too hard. And this is that times a billion with way higher stakes and just the- No, and barely any resources, like essentially no resources compared to what we have now, obviously. Right. And even now, I I can't imagine Antarctica has like, I'm sure it's a lot better, obviously, than the 70s, but it's not, it's certainly not, you know, a full like hundreds of planes per day, right? Right. A lot of people are going to Antarctica. Right. Right. Even when there's like, I mean, even uh, someone can correct me, but I'm aware of like, cruise ships that bring just like 
you know, normal, like, you know, regular people yeah. to, like, see Antarctica. But I don't know. I, I just don't have personal, like, knowledge of whether or not there are flights that carry just, like, you know, civilians or whatever. Not civilians, but just yeah. everyday people who are going there for, like, the pleasure of visiting. Right. You like, know, can I don't you just know go to have... Antarctica? You can go on, like, a cruise, right? The National Geographic cruise. Yeah. Um, that my like wonderful aunt and uncle yes. went on because they're honestly they're cool living the fucking dream. That is my dream to go dream. on one of those trips. The dream. Just imagine. They, they, I just want to see what they it's know like. What they're doing. Yeah. 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 Penguins, little buddies. Right. Yeah. But but the, like you um, can't just like I'm yeah. gonna buy a ticket to Antarctica. I don't. I don't, I don't think, think that I, I don't know if you can fly there. Right. I don't know if you can. Right. I don't know if there's flights that land there for good reason. Because like on a yeah. ship, you're. I think. I think the boats might be a little bit feel more precarious to me <laughs> than planes under most circumstances. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but they are like, you're, you're there. You're kind of like on, not the ground, but you're on the earth. At least, right. Like, you're on the earth you know? somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You're attached yeah. to the earth. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you're trying to actually like not get too attached to the earth. Right. Right. Because right, 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 you then are. you're just like, in negative space and it's, Right, I can't compute. Right. right. But. Uh, wow. Such a cool story. What a story. Thank you. Thanks so to, much, Deb. And uh, I mean, Casey, to you for retelling it. You guys really oh, pulled that out. Radiant. Wow. Genius. I mean, it is. Deb. Anytime I hear of planes and like the 1920s at all, my brain cannot compute. Oh, right. Cannot no. compute. I cannot even imagine what it would be like to be living in the 1920s while also simultaneously living while planes exist. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. what? Right. What are their brains right. doing? It's. And everyone's just I mean, on board. Yeah. They're just like, yep, planes are a thing now. Let's yeah. fly to fucking Hop Antarctica. <laughs> like, let's go. Right. Right. Let's go over the North Pole. Beautiful. Right. Perfect. Yeah. And the Soviets are like, I know what we'll do. And they like marched <laughs> to the North Pole and put a statue of our boy Lenin. Right. right. There. Like just, <laughs> just for the ages. Oh Ugh. my gosh. Wow. The aliens will be surprised. They sure but... will. Oh man. Holy cow. Yeah. Beautiful. So much. So much. And what a, I mean, you. what a great story they all lived. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it would feel. I wonder feel... if anyone's still alive. I bet you there are people still alive. Oh, the, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Deb, our hero, like, interviewed people. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you can, like, read and listen to everything. Yeah. You, you gotta. Yeah. You gotta. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. Though Deb, like, hunted Very exclusive. Down. Very exclusive yeah. story. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't think anybody, as far as I can tell, she has done original research that has never been done before. Like, Great that she, job, she, Deb. Really, yeah. No, she's amazing. Wow. And yeah, that, and I'm, 
I am so glad that this is the story that I asked about because it is such an amazing story. And I can't believe that more people, I mean, I guess because it really did, it took like a lot of work on her part to like hunt all of these like details down and like find whatever was possible to find and talk to people and like so much cool stuff. I think that in a dream world, like if possible, I do hope that like we can in some way like put her make her research like available because yeah. I do think it is like research that has never been gathered before Beautiful. and like make wow. it available because it is just amazing. That is very and there's cool. so many little yeah. I still think and I will say it again, I think that like she could totally like write like a long form article about it and like the Atlantic would print it. I really Fuck do yeah. think so. Let's do so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go Deb. Yeah. Wow. Deb beautiful oh, i'm excited to to look at all the yeah. all the emails and things yeah and pictures oh yeah yeah it's good stuff pictures are my face it's really good yeah but oh so good but yeah that's the story damn the, they did it the big one they yeah. they landed it they fucking they fucking landed it they fucking cliff and bj and everybody else Mm-hmm. I just only have their names. Yeah. I know. I wonder how the, like, how the pilots flew home. <laughs> They're just like, get me the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, Cliff is I just know. like, bye. I hope somebody, I hope somebody painted like one more penguin yeah. on the door. Right? Just Please. one. Please. Just one more. If not, we need to. That's our, our yeah. goal is the pod crashed. Right. Well, maybe we can like, you think you can send mail to Antarctica? Mm-hmm. Probably. If we send like a sticker, like a penguin sticker. Can you just? I mean, would you right? mind <laughs> there sticking are, this? There are definitely mm-hmm. like TikTok science. I mean, there's scientists who are on TikTok, not TikTok scientists. Scientists ah, yes. who are on TikTok. <laughs> yes. Real who, scientists. Real scientists. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who work at both the North and the South Pole. And they like talk about their time there. So I wonder... I bet we could like leave a comment and I want or or message them and they oh, would yeah. answer. Yeah. And uh, we can see if there is another penguin on it. Yes. Just one. Just one we more penguin. We need to follow up. For yeah. year seven. <laughs> the 1970 penguin. Like exactly. She needs it. Yeah. You made Just it. One. You you landed. You got everyone there safe. She you landed. did your thing, girl. She, she kept everyone alive. She did. Damn. She did. She she stayed together. The fuselage stuck together. I, can you imagine crashing in a 1950s plane? No, like right I don't now. Want to. I just cannot. Right, right. Like in a on like a nice like evening mm-hmm. in like clear weather. No, thank you. No, thank you. Like, Hard pass. No, thank you. Let's yeah. In a in the middle of a blizzard. I don't know. They just made things differently. I guess. Beautiful. It's just yeah. She was well constructed. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder where the sister plane is. I wonder if the Phoenix oh, plane yeah. is like in the desert in California or where it is. Maybe we can buy her. Yeah. Oh, I, you know I want to. Yeah. But at least, I don't know. That's the thing, too. I think about, like, I, I think I have a really hard time. 
I have like a very strong kleptomania streak. And oh, okay. it's just the truth. I didn't, I didn't and know where you were going. I didn't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But like, I have a very, very deep desire. I yeah. do not steal things, but I want to so badly. Fair. And I, it comes up in things like this where I feel like I want to go to this plane and I want like a piece of it. I want to take it. Yeah. And I suspect that in the past, other people must have surely had that same instinct. So I'm really, really, mm. really curious about like what's still in there. Yeah. But I want a piece, just a little bit of it. Right. But you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to just leave it. I think I might have, yeah, I might have talked about this before, but at the um, Petrified Forest out west, like Petrified National Forest or whatever it's called, yeah. um, there's like signs everywhere being like, don't, you can't take pieces. Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't it. touch. Yeah. You can't do it. Right. And <clears throat> there's a display at like the visitor center of like little bits of like petrified rock or whatever, petrified wood, <laughs> little bits with like letters where people <gasps> did take a piece and then felt so guilty <gasps> that they mailed it back. Oh and like the letters are all like, I took this and I feel so ashamed <gasps> and I'm sending it back. Oh or like kids, God. kids, like little boys, like Tommy age eight. Oh I, sorry, I stole this. God. It was wrong. Like, here's it back. Like that. I think about that display a lot oh, yes. because of my very strong desire to just take a little bit, just a little piece for me. Yeah. But for me. Um, yeah. you're not supposed to do that because then eventually there everybody does it and then there's nothing left. And then so right, right, right. Right. But I do Oh get my gosh. The that's a great So I would like tactic, a little piece so. of Peggy. Oh, exactly. That dis- that display. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Yeah. I I probably would have taken a piece if it hadn't been for that display. Let's just be right. You're like, like oh, I probably would have been like, they probably won't notice. Right. Right. But you see like the guilt and shame of people before yes. you who are like, I stealing is wrong. I'm sorry. Right. Re- return it to the forest. Right. Like, yeah. Stealing from it's the earth really is forest. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Oh right. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you feel like that? Do you just want to like take a little piece? Oh, all the time. I mean, I have. Yeah. I have multiple like volcanic rocks from different places that I've been where you're like not. Do they supposed say to... you're not supposed to take it? Yeah, you're not, you're supposed, not supposed to take it. Oh, I just like wanna... come on. Just it's gonna piece. keep making fucking volcanic rocks. Let's relax. It's a little baby piece, yeah. but that's the whole just thing, right? Little... It's terrible. Right. Yeah. I shouldn't. There's like a. I'm not gonna uh, return um... it though. I'm gonna be flat honest. It's still in my Just, it's still in my book bag. I don't even know like mail it back to like the volcano. Right. <laughs> like, like what are you gonna do? You're gonna like, throw it back in there? You're not gonna. You're I just gonna be know. like, okay, this is dumb as shit and throw it in the garbage. I'm keeping this it. This is real though. My mother, my sweet mother, Karen Ann, has Beautiful. a little piece of the Berlin Wall. Oh my god. I think that's where I got it from. I remember that... her showing it to me and being like, that's the thing to do. You take a little piece because <laughs> she has like a chip of it. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. It is, right? We've never talked about this. I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Oh. 
Maybe not. Yeah. I I feel I, like I'm hearing cool. this for the first time, but maybe not. Yes, I will I will show it to you. I oh remember I like took it to school. Hell and yeah. I've never in my life been more afraid of losing something. Yes. Oh like, my god. Oh my gosh. Okay, how yeah. did how old were you? When um when you took it to I was the, in fourth grade. Fourth it grade? Year, it was the year I went to public school, so it was fourth grade. Were you like so nine? Were you happy to present it to your class? Or were you like... Uh, we, no, no. We were not doing show and tell. Oh, you just <laughs> took it to school? I just brought it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, look. So you wanted like, to show it. Yeah. But it's like 1999. None of these other nine-year-olds know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> they right, didn't... Their middle name isn't Reagan. So that's they fair. just have not followed this part of history. <laughs> you know. But, but okay, the teacher thought it was cool. The teacher Wow. Yeah. No, that is very but, cool. It is. So, yes, I want a little piece. If you guys, we will not tell. If you send us a picture nope. of a little piece of something that you took, we, we will know it. enjoy it and we won't tell unless you want us to post it we won't anonymously tell. or whatever. And if you're mad at that us would be, for taking stuff, I'm so sorry, but it is what it is. I, it's, I, uh, it's so, it is 100% true. That like if everybody takes a piece, yeah. then it's bad. But not right? everybody like, is taking a, a piece. But still, don't take a piece. <laughs> Use your judgment. No, I can't. don't know. No. <laughs> what is? We're just we're the the podcast not, is not going to take a strong stance on this. We stuff, are not, and we're not giving any legal advice. So don't. No. Call a real we're lawyer. Just talking about just just the deep human urge to take a little piece. That's yeah. all we're talking about. Because we all know what that feeling. urge is. Whether you do it or whether so. you don't, I think we can all agree right. that there is an urge. Yeah. Just, Especially when you're told yeah. not to, it's doubled. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, um, the John Mulaney joke about like <laughs> him, his friend, his like childhood friend who stole like family photos from people's houses oh that they could steal. Like priceless, like family yep. photos in the frame. He would just take them. That I'm just like, yes, yeah, I want to do that too. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I don't do that because no, I don't. But I want to. <laughs> All right, tell us about the your desire to take a little piece. Yeah, of whatever it might be. Your secret's Nature, safe with us. People, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but uh, wow. Yeah great story oh so good i know that um deb had sent some like facts casey did you know that the fucking titanic wreckage is owned by someone like someone what? owns the titanic wreckage rms titanic inc is Ooh. an american company that owns the salvage rights to the famous wreck that dis and displays many of the artifacts, blah, 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 blah. Really? But they actually own the wreckage. Because I don't know, have you heard about uh, the submarine that has gone missing? No. At all? Oh. No. Okay, so there's a submarine people that has gone it? missing. There are, I think, like five or six people on board. No. Mm -mm. Um, mm -mm. They can't find it. And... Um, I, this was actually going to be my fact, but I could not fact check it quick enough. Like there's just not enough. Um, mm. I just couldn't fact check it quick enough, but apparently 
more people have been to space than have been to the wreckage of the Titanic, which feels like a pretty true fact. Like that feels that feels true. Like I feel like there's yeah. a lot of people at the International Space Station. We've been going to space for a real long time. It took us a really long time to find the Titanic. So I just right. feel like that is probably a true fact. But that seems fa- that seems true. Yeah, I believe it. Certainly. Right. Um, but a, yeah, a submarine that was doing like a tourist, um, like, I don't know, sightseeing thing, uh, at the Titanic. I believe this was the first one that went down. Um, they Mm. cannot find it. And as of now, like with all of the calculations, I guess they only have 40 hours of air left. Mm. So they kind of have to find it really soon. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Um, we, this was one of the poll questions on Spotify one time because, like, no, like, nope. Oh, nope. right. Nope. Yeah. Like, submarine nope. versus, yeah. No. In all seriousness, like, I want to live, and I feel like in most circumstances, I'm like willing to like push through a lot. I, I, that, I, I don't want know a how cyanide tablet. Yeah. No. If I'm going in a submarine, I need I need a cyanide tablet. No, no. That's I what can't. I mean. It's like no. it's literally negative space, like in the earth. Like oh. you don't no. I don't know. Um, That's horrible. But yeah, I, so when I was okay. like reading about that, some uh, it was like a New York Times article where it was talking about the owner of the Titanic wreck. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, like, yeah. what does that even, how can somebody own the fucking Titanic wreck? But Paul Henry, I'm not going to, uh, Nargielot, N-A-R-G-E-O-L-E-T. Um, yeah, he, I guess he owns the RMS Titanic Inc. He owns it personally? I, apparently. Is it just finders keepers? How do you come to own it? Like, do they own it because they found it? I am very interested in this business dealing. It did not like specify. I couldn't find that much about it. Um, Yeah. Oh, no. I, that, all of that, every word out of your mouth. (laughs) Yeah. It's new feelings, new knowledge, new information I didn't have. So much. So, so much. Like, and it's getting a lot of hate on Twitter because apparently it's being like there was a documentary that came out about this particular submarine, and Mm. the submarine is being controlled by like a PS4 controller, like an off brand PS4 controller. They were trying to like, like, think of better ways i guess to drive the submarine and -hmm. that was one of them i don't know like i have Mm -mm. you know i have no idea i don't know how submarines work but that is what a lot of people are saying online joking about like you know yeah Mm -mm. um i don't want to be underwater with literally anything between me and this guy like and people no, cave apparently diving, right well and another thing that people are complaining i mean life is a life i don't care like there is no price for human life but um not but period people are saying um that tickets were going for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars 
um, on this thing and mm-hmm. kind of like comparing that to like this guy saying, oh, yeah, I'm just like controlling this thing with a an off brand like gaming remote. So it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a little bit. I don't know. We will see, I guess. Um, and just really hoping that everything comes out OK at the end and they're able to find them. But we will see. Mm-hmm. There is just, I hope that they're okay. Yeah. I, um, we'll never do an episode about it. No. No matter what show we make or no matter how much this changes. No. Maybe, no. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. No. Submarines. Yeah. Guys, I'm, you know what, I would bet literally any... So scary. I, I, I'll bet any amount of money that somebody listening to this right now has like been on and like worked on a submarine. It was just like totally like it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> right. It's 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 like tight quarters or whatever. Right. Like, you know, I know that in the Navy, I think um, a different one of my uncles, I have like a very nice family. It's so big. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. different one of my uncles is like like was like a in the Navy, like for his career. And he's very tall. Like my family is very, yeah. very tall. And he would talk about like, yeah, it's just very little, like your space is small, (laughs) you know, like small bunks, like tight quarters. And, but the Navy submarines have like the best food in the military because they just like need something to keep morale up basically. Oh yeah. So they've got like, they try to like make the food really nice, which is a good idea because like, no. First, like, no, it's a flat, hard no for me, (laughs) but, um, yeah, like, give me, you know, whatever, Pop-Tarts and salad or whatever nice food means, you know, in the military. Like, if, if it's going to be, uh-uh, no thank you. Yeah. No. Um. So we will see. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for joining me on this very long episode, Mariah. Thank you for telling it. And thank you, Deb, for all of the research, truly. Yes. Everyone say thank you to Deb. Yes. And um, if any mistakes were made, they were mine and not Deb's, (laughs) and we will correct them. So be sure to listen to, like, the little after part of this episode. And, um, yeah, once again, we are – there is, like, so many, like, updates in our life, but – but maybe this isn't the episode for them. Right. I don't know. A lot's <laughs> happening, guys. A lot is happening. A lot is happening. We maybe, will update you soon. I promise. Yeah. We should just do like a little upload like of a like Yeah, maybe we'll do that, that next is week. This us. is like a nice. We should. Yeah. This is a nice hearty episode. And then next week we can do something later. Yeah. We love you guys. And we we're going to keep. The thing is, is like the show is going to keep coming out. Like we're yeah. going to keep doing it. We're not it's done. Just, like, yeah. We're just in like a little chaos moment. You yep. know what I mean? And There's a lot going on in our like lives sometimes. and we just got to figure it out. I love you. I so love you much, so much. Maya. We love each and every one of you. Yes. You're all the best. I love you, Deb. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah. See you next week-ish. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> love you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Podcrashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. 
This is such a long episode. If you're here for corrections, I'm so sorry. There are not going to be corrections right now. If you're listening to this and you're hearing this, it means the corrections have ended up somewhere else. There are going to be corrections in the description and I'll continue to update that. And if I was better at this little hobby, I would do that for all the episodes, but maybe someday. If you notice something and you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and TikTok. What a whirlwind it's been, guys. We love you to death. Thank you so, so, so much um, for your kindness and grace. I mean, we talk about the submarine, so that tells you. A, when we recorded this, but B, (laughs) just how little I'm keeping up on everything. So thank you as always for your grace, your patience, your love, your kindness. Um, We love you and we'll see you next week-ish. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 